Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Ready to Mosh. I'm Jem G and with me as always, the kit to my cat, Kev P. Hello. Right? Yeah, you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Am I? Don't know. Debatable. Very debatable. <laughs> so in this episode, we have an interview with the recently reformed Toronaga UK. Kev did this one as a solo interview because I was... Swanning off. Swanning off, yes, on a family commitment. So Kev had a chat with Mike and Mark about the resurrection of the band and what they've got coming up and all other such-like things. Here it is. So this week I am joined by Mike and Mark of Toronaga. How are you doing, guys? Very good, thank you. Hi, we're fine, thank you. Apart from a bit of a cold and a sore throat. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Other than that, I'm fine. Fantastic. So my first thing is you are officially back now as yep. Toronaga UK. Yep. How's the response been so far? Amazing, actually. Yeah. Um, better than I thought. Uh, we just announced it yesterday. We've had a, a massive response um, through Facebook um, initially. Um, a few of the posts and a few of the um, Thrash UK, or whatever it's called, Mike knows a, more of the uh, names of these <laughs> Facebook people. I'm really no good at social media, to be honest with you. Uh, Mike's great. Mike is really good at doing this type of thing. But no, the response has been fantastic. Yeah. Really pleased, really pleased. A lot of people excited actually about this coming back. So that's yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's been. I've I found it's been really positive since we we sort of did the launch yesterday, which was Monday, twenty sixth of February. But we just uh, I decided to do a few little teasers to just kind of get people's interest going. So it was a slow, a slowish pickup, which is what I expected. But then oh, just since yesterday, it's it's just blown up massively um my phone doesn't stop buzzing with messages or or um notifications of likes and loves and it's it's just it's amazing to see that there's so many people that love the band um have got like very fun memories of it especially as someone who's just recently joined it and, and has been sort of a fan from the outside previously it's it's really heartwarming that's kind of brings me on to a really good point so Toronaga steeped in history, formed way back in '85, I think it was. Yeah. Then reformed in '13 as the bastard son of Toronaga. Yeah. And now back as Toronaga eleven years later. <laughs> so, what made you decide the time was right? I don't know. I just I thought I've been thinking about it for a few years now. Um, want to do something uh, with Toronaga or the songs that I sang on and co-wrote. Um, I did get in touch with a few of the lads a couple of years ago, um, but there was various reasons why we didn't get together. Um, sometimes it, it was, well, part of it was ill health, distance, etc. So I left it alone. I thought, oh, well, it's, it's not the right time. And I just sort of left it then. And it's only like the last few months I was thinking about it and thinking, well, maybe I'm better off just because of these issues of starting a completely new band, a new lineup, um, under that name of Tornaga UK. And it was just by chance that I seen Mike had put an ad out for a singer for a project he was thinking of starting on. Um, and I think it must have said something to do with like a thrash element. 
And I thought, mm, this could be an opportunity. I'll let him get in touch and see what he thinks about the idea of Toronaga. So I got in touch with Mike and I didn't even know if he knew Toronaga and he did. And he jumped at the chance and he was very excited and things just took off from there, really. And it was almost an instant band, if you like, because he added a few people in place. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Yeah, we just we just jumped in straight into it, and within a couple of weeks, we were rehearsing, and things started to develop from there. Yeah, it's it's literally as Mark sort of said, is that that my my other band, my main band, was was kind of it it, it kind of come to its end of its little little kind of touring cycle, and we were kind of winding down to the point where we were going to just go off and and kind of write an an album, and um, then go into recording. So I was just like, what am I going to do? I I love playing live. It's the main reason why I'm in a band. Everything else is kind of secondary. I mean, it's it's equally as important, but for me, it's it's going out and performing. So I just thought, oh, what am I going to do? Put the advert out. And like say, Mark messaged us. And and just to touch on what he said, it was literally like, he said, oh, I'm going to put Toronaga back together. Do you want to do that? And it was, I think within 10 seconds, I'd, I'd spoken to the wife and I was like, yes. I'm doing this. Um, it's it's going to be great. And I'd already spoken to a few people that day for the position of drums. And we already had Liam, our guitarist. Um, he's he's in my band, Scar by Truth. He's also in Mark's other band, Millennium. And it, yeah, it literally fell into place. And it was only Christmas that got in the way that stopped us from going pretty much straight into rehearsals. So it sounds like the kind of getting the right line was almost instantaneous then. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of luck, really, or fate. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it it was surprised me to be honest with you. Um, it just fell into place really quickly, and something I wasn't expecting in a sense, because um, it was sort of thinking. Even though I've been thinking about it for a while, I was thinking, oh well, I might start a new lineup. But it's that thing of trying to get people involved, you know, and advertising and whatever else, and how long would that take? But that's the great thing about this. It was pretty much instant, you know. And as I say, within a few weeks, we were up and running and rehearsing and everything was going, you know. And I was, you know, I could be more pleased, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. We got a good lineup and that's what I wanted, you know. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, we, I'm saying at the moment, I think we, we're pretty much firmly set on on being a four-piece. So just Mark on vocals, um, me on bass, Liam on guitar and Toby our drummer so we're, we're going to be kind of recapturing that initial early magic of the of obviously we'll never be the original lineup but getting that that four piece sound is is what we're aiming for and we talked about looking for a fifth member for getting a rhythm guitarist but when we got into the rehearsals we we just I don't know something just seemed a bit magical about being being the four piece and we we just used our mobile phones to kind of do a few recordings, but listening back to it, we were like, "Wow, this is this just sounds massive." Being a four piece, so so why kind of add something else into the mix? So yeah, we we just seem to be doing really well as a four piece, and we just cannot wait to get out. So I suppose these kind of next two are probably more for you, Mark. What were the early days like playing with bands like Celtic Frost, Venom, Saxon? Well, it was great. It was fantastic. Um, there's a long list of bands that we've played with and I've actually forgot about. <laughs> and then people remind me, think, oh, yeah, God, we did play with those. Yeah, my God, yeah. 
Um, but most of the bands that we played with were really friendly and treated us really well. Um, in particular, Saxon, Manowar as well, you know. And yeah, there were good days. We had some really good times, you know, with some of the bands, most of the bands that we went out with. Um, and we, you know, we did some great shows and we just loved being out there at the time, you know. So yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, is that isn't there that story, Mark, about um, when you were on tour with Manowar and you almost because because of the sound check they were running over? Yeah, yeah, there was um, Hammersmith Audion gig, and this is one of the thing about bands like you don't expect it. But sometimes with bands, bigger bands, you know, because we were the first band on, and the uh, the lighting rig fell on the on the day. Of yeah, <laughs> part of the lighting rig fell, and it delayed the show. And we thought, oh, well, we're not going to get to play because I think there was Sabat on as well and then Manowar. And it delayed the show. And we thought, oh, well, we're going to miss this now. And it is what it is. But actually, Manowar said, no, no, we're going to delay the show. And, and But still, you still are going to go on. And it worked out quite well, actually, because by the time we got on, the venue was filling up even more. Because you know it's like if you're the first band on, a lot of people just go at the bar, they want to see the main band and not bother about support band. But by the time we were did get on, there was a big crowd there, you know, Hammersmith Audio, and it was like, wow, and we went down really well. And we couldn't be more grateful to for them doing that. And they didn't have to do that, you know, because it was a good reason to say, sorry, guys, you know, this has happened, and yeah, Not yeah, time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But we 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 done a few more gigs before that with them, um, a short tour throughout England, Wales, what have you. And the trip is really well, you know. So it's good to see when you get big bands like that, and they're not sort of they don't sort of ignore you. You know, it's nice that they don't ignore you, and they're just you know they just they were very friendly. You come in, they treat us really well. Came backstage, talked to us, and sometimes you don't expect that, you know. But they did, and it was it was great. With the early days as well, it seemed like you you kind of almost it seemed like you almost exploded overnight and then the band just kind of disappeared. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'd I'd seen some when I was doing the research for this, I'd seen that you you played actually a pub that I know really well that's kind of was really close to where I grew up. And then from there you were playing places like Rock City. Mm. And then, you know, kind of like a couple of albums deep, the band just kind of disappeared. And I'd, I'd read somewhere it was something to do with a record label. Yeah, part of it was. Part of it was. Um, yeah, we we signed the Chrysalis, and I, I suppose in hindsight, they weren't exactly the best label for like a metal band to be on. Um, we did have other labels we wanted to sign us. Noise was one of them, a few others. But I think it was that issue when you go to a major label, you've got the financial backing which was sort of beneficial while the likes of labels like noise they have the know-how to 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 publish or to promote metal bands there was a little bit of a difference in it anyway cut long story short it wasn't just about that it was also that ami bought chrysalis out and they laid a few people off i.e our peer uh PR guy and AR guy, sorry, and the manager and blah blah blah. Not our manager, the label manager. And they were the people who were behind us and they laid a lot of staff off. So basically at the end of the day, it was 
bye bye. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, That's it. I suppose it makes a big difference when you lose kind of like the from a label side, the support that you've had there. Yeah, well, that's what it was. We we lost our support basically at the end of the day. But I mean, they lost their jobs as well. So, so we in in a sense, then we were out of a a label. But we did have other labels interesting after that. But things, particularly a little bit of a nosedive from that point, and it was a bit of a blow for us. And yeah, from that point, yeah, things turned a corner, if you like, and we ended up splitting up. At the yeah, I, I don't know as well. I think things started to change by then. You got like ninety one, ninety two, and you got the bands like you know, um, the, the music scene had changed. You know, you got your Nirvanas and all that type of stuff started coming out. You felt like the thrash thing was at its day, and I think a lot of the bands in the same position as us had sort of split up as well at the time. So yeah, we just joined the ranks of that. <laughs> that time and that thing happening really but yeah it's a shame you know we maybe should have kept going but you know at the time we just called it a day so kind of since the beginning and then you know kind of like through the last formation and then this one what have kind of been the biggest changes what do you mean in in what so yeah so kind of like from your side in a, a music sense you know if it's getting gigs booked is it the way that do you see it's the way that people consume music, the way that people interact? Um, well, I don't know. I think from the, the days that we were signed, the internet has played such a big difference for bands in a positive but a negative way um, because music can almost be free now for anybody if they want to hear it, whether it's through YouTube, Spotify, whatever, um, which is it, that can be beneficial in a sense where, yeah, I want to listen to that band. I want to, I've never heard of them. I'll listen to that band. I've heard of them, blah, blah, but I'll check them out. But it, it lacks the side of like buying a physical album. And I think a lot of the younger kids now don't seem to want to buy physical albums and CDs. It's all to do with streaming and downloading and whatever. And that is a bit of a negative thing for bands um, because of record label wise, they're not going to sell the albums that they used to sell the amount and make the money that they used to make in the you know from what i would gather from what used to happen in the 80s part of the 90s if you like so they don't put as much into a band you know um i know there's bands who play download now who've still got the day jobs and i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think in the 80s if you played download you you were with a label and you were doing it full time you know you were that level most bands were anyway but things have changed that way, yeah. I think there's only I think there's only bad news that had other jobs. Yeah, yeah. When they played Download, uh, played Monsters of Rock. But yeah, it's, it's changed in that sense. Um, but the internet has also opened it up for exposure for bands in, in a good way, you know. Um, so that's that's a positive. But it's but it works both ways. It's positive and negative. So that's to me how it's changed. And and the only thing is me. Being the age I am, I'm absolutely useless <laughs> in social media and how to network things. Um, but the good thing is, Mike's pretty good at it, and that's yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, he's pretty good. So that's another another advantage of getting Mike in. <laughs> yeah, I think I think obviously coming coming on the the whole internet thing is I've kind of seen now both sides of of I've been. 
like I started my band Scar by Truth just before the pandemic. And when that hit, that changed a lot of things. Um, so what, what I noticed is that the bands had to change the way that they were working. So we did, I, I did like all the, the, pretty much everything that recorded in our first EP was at home. So I learned on the go how to do all of that, learned how to market on the go. And again, kind of touching on what Mark was saying there is that the internet should make it easier for bands to put themselves out there. And it does, but you're also dealing with millions of other artists who are doing exactly the same thing and it makes it harder to be seen. So it's then how do you how do you then stand out? And it's just kind of trying to make that engaging content. And obviously what I've seen now is on the flip side with Torinaga is that there's that much love from people predominantly in the UK thrash scene, but also from around the world, I'm seeing of people that love the band and are really interested. So it, it's it's kind of trying to just reignite that, that spark and that fire that they had and, and running with it. So it makes it easier in many ways, but still just as difficult. So we're going to move on to the quickfire round now. Okay. Fire away. So these are eight random questions and just go with whatever comes into your mind. First question. What has been your most random tour or gig incident? Um, well, if you mean random, I always remember one in Hull where I were there, I don't even know, back of a pub, audience of six, and a man and his dog. <laughs> We've all had the man and the dog. Yeah, but and it was it all. It was like an old man's bar. That was the thing. It was like, what are we doing here? We still did the gig though. <laughs> we still played because you never I think you, the dog. You never know if that dog's a talent scout. But I think the dog appreciates most than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I always remember that gig. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Oh, I was on tour in Germany. In the early 2000s, I think it might have been, might have actually been 2000 or 2002 because it was a World Cup year, and we were booked to play in this this bar in Berlin, and we had to go on at a specific time. But the match was on. I think it was England versus Germany, and we had literally nobody in in the pub, and we literally struck the last chord of the set, and the match had finished, and everyone just came streaming <laughs> into this. Like, oh no, I can't believe it. Um, so yeah, that was a nightmare, absolute nightmare of a gig. But then on another time, we we were playing in again in Hamburg, and back at the time, Nick was still in Queens of the Stone Age. Mm. So while we were sound checking, he just came in for a drink and stayed and watched us pretty much all night, and came backstage with us. And that was just a total random thing to have somebody of his like level just walk into a gig, and we were only a small band at the time. But that weirdly kind of links into. I'm going to move this question up a place. Okay. Um, who is the most famous person you've met? Mm, wow. Can't think, actually. Oh. Well, it's just got to be some of the bands we've supported, really. You know, we've got like Biff Byford and the Man of War guys. And yeah, I would say basically, yeah, those, those guys, really. Absolute legends. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get to the level of meeting the likes of Aussie or anything, but still, you know, you've got bands like, still bands like Saxon and Man of War, that was great, great guys. 
Um, I mean, I used to work in radio, so I would meet people all the time and I, I was never particularly phased. But I mean, I'm a tall guy. I'm six foot one. I do remember one day I was kind of in a studio um, and just kind of leaning over a desk and I heard the door of the studio open behind us. And when I turned around and like looked up at this like this really tall guy and I was just like, oh, hello, fish. <laughs> I just randomly to see him walk in. It was, yeah, he's just such a tall guy. Um, and then I think, um, we went on two with Slash, Slash Snake Pit back in early 2000s on the Ain't Life Grand Tour. So yeah, he, he was, I think he was about the most famous musician I'd met at that particular point. He's, yeah, he's definitely going to be up there. He's one of the most iconic figures in music. Oh yeah. Oh, he was brilliant when he, he walked into our dressing room one time. He went, he, he was met, looking for his dressing room. He walked in and he went, oh, you're not my band. And I just went, if you play your cards right, we could be. <laughs> okay next question if you could be a biscuit what biscuit would you be oh my god um i'll just go for chocolate digestive yeah that'll do me yeah oh don't know i like so many biscuits yeah probably an orange club biscuit mm. Mm. so many yeah i don't like my biscuits <laughs> <laughs> yeah kit cat actually i think i'd go for something simple like a kit cat I'll I'll kick Kat's biscuits though because it's wafer. It's yeah, a... you're right. Good point. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, that's that doesn't count. Sorry, sorry, Mike. But well, then <laughs> then what about Twix though? Are they biscuits? No, chocolate bars. Well, it's in the name Twix biscuit. Oh, true. Yeah. But that is a very good point. I've never considered mm. a Twix. I, I personally wouldn't consider it a biscuit, but it does have biscuit. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. See, this is yeah. the thought-provoking things we come up here in these uh, these podcasts. That's it. <laughs> yeah, blue ribbon. Then, what's what's yours? Then, what's your favourite biscuit? If you could be one, what would you be? Oh, uh, chocolate hobnob. Mm. Oh yeah, they are nice. I haven't had them for a long time. Mm. It's got me thinking now. Absolute perfect. Yeah. Like the best best of all worlds, isn't it? Like, I think I'd need a tray of biscuits in front of me just to sample them and say, yeah. <laughs> actually, I'll, I think this one's better now. <laughs> yeah chocolate hobnobs yeah that's there another one yeah uh what are your favorite crisps oh my god um at the moment i'm a cheese and something pepper can't remember what they're called now cheese and something pepper crisps red pepper that's it cheese and red pepper okay yeah they're my favorite crisps at the moment yeah yeah i think if i had a choice of anything it would be um walker's pickled onion mm. walker's pickled onion. they're going back yeah, in the green green packet. It's the closest you can get to a canny bag of Tudor. Interesting choices. From the old days. I think the ones that I get are those kettle, kettle crisps. Mm. I don't like them. I think they're a bit too over-fried. It's got, it's got a good crunch. Yeah, there you go. But so's a snail, and I wouldn't want one of them. <laughs> uh, what would you put into Room 101? Gatekeepers. Oh. Gatekeepers of the music scene. Interesting. I don't know. Is 101, is that a good thing? What would you do? Is it positive or it's, a, it's kind of it's a negative really... that you that you put things that shouldn't belong there? Yeah. All oh, right. Mm. Damn, that's a difficult one. Uh, damn it. News programs because <laughs> they're just depressing. All you see now is just depressing news. As soon as they come on TV, negative oh, downers. Oh. That's why you only have to t- tune into the and finally bit. Maybe the weather. What about the weather? 
I'll yeah. tell you what, there's a better one. The British weather put that in room 101. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You've changed your mind. The British weather, that's where it belongs. What was the last song that you listened to? Oh, mm. my God. Um, I'm just trying to think. It's probably one of our own because we need to learn them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was listening to the to the back catalogue today, but the last song that I listened to was um, Onslaught, Welcome to Dying from In Search of Sanity, because it was just it just popped in my head, and I thought, oh, I really, really needed to listen to it. And it's just it's a beautiful album, beautiful songs, just yeah, love it, love it. If you were a ghost, who would you haunt? Mm, who knows. Um... I'll let you go, Mike. Do you think of something? Ooh, my wife, so I could be with her forever. <laughs> I don't know if that is, is that meant to be a good thing or a oh, bad well, thing? Oh, <laughs> well, it'd be a good thing for me. She'd probably be a bit uh, sick of me hanging around forever if I was a ghost. But <laughs> I don't know, she's going to have me weirdly now, so. Hmm. I don't know, I'd haunt. Then I'd probably still make a mess even as a ghost. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Who would I haunt? Hmm. I don't know. Um, Tony Blair. Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do love your answers. That they we go can't think of anything, can't think of anyone, and then suddenly Tony Blair from <laughs> yeah. absolutely nowhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, some politician <laughs> who deserves to be haunted. <laughs> <laughs> So, final quick fire question then. So, would you rather go driving in a car with Suggs, riding a bike with Freddie Mercury, or travel in a rocket with Elton John? What was the first one? Driving in a car with Suggs. All right. And, uh, yeah, I'll go for that. It seems like a good laugh. There's my choice. <laughs> I think I would go with Freddie Mercury. I want a bike ride. Yeah. Anywhere in particular? We'll just say somewhere random like Clacton. Clacton. <laughs> I've never been. So why not? No, I don't know. I think I think going on the rocket's a bit more um appetizing. But I don't know, I just think I just think Freddie Murky would, would have had some interesting stories, you know, and and be good to have kind of got his creative insight. I mean, I respect Elton, but obviously he works with um with Bernie on writing the song, so it's like a 50-50 thing, but <laughs> yeah, it's not all Freddie's Elton, just come up with, Yeah, exactly. But and I mean, I suppose you can say the same thing with with Queen, but I mean, Freddie had his own solo stuff, and he did. He just seems such a brilliant, brilliant like performer, you know, a bit troubled, but mm-hmm. aren't, aren't all performers and um, entertainers? And yeah, I just I just think he'd be a, a really interesting character. So yeah. Um, I mean, let, let, let's swap them. Let's put Freddie on the rocket ship because <laughs> Shuey mentions that in the song, doesn't he? And um, don't stop yeah. me now. So I got a rocket in yeah, it. Something like that. that. Or kill mm. a queen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I'd push out and out the way, and we'll we'll go on the <laughs> rocket with Freddie. Right. So back to the normal questions now. From the previously released material, there's three albums and an EP. How are you going to be picking set lists when you play this year? Um, I would say we're going to look at the first two albums. Well, the mini album, the Bassett albums, Bassett 
ballads, I should say. And the God's Gift album, we're going to be picking tracks from them mainly, and possibly one or two off uh, the uh, Rush right yeah, right Restitution. I couldn't even think of what it's called then. Yeah, yeah. The Bastard's Son of Toronaga, right? Just righteous restitution. I can't even say it. Uh, I suppose I told you, you I'm not well. well. I told you I'm not well. I can't even. I can't <laughs> even think straight. But yeah, maybe a few off that one, but mainly off the other two. That's what. That's what we're going to go out to and play. Yeah, I think as as like one of the newer members of the band. Um, I mean, obviously, three of us are new members of the band. We we've kind of we've talked to Mark and we've we've gone with the songs that we felt really drawn to the most. Um, so there are a lot of the crowd favourites in there, and I know they are because they're they're being requested or they're off, they're always being talked about. So we're definitely going to be doing them. Um, we we we're coming back to more to kind of what's the way of saying it without sounding like total entertainment sellouts. We're coming back to kind of do the old stuff for people to know, and then we're going to drop some newer material in because we've already wrote some new material. Um, but rather than just kind of land with something brand new. We're just gonna we're gonna steadily put it in. Just phase everything in. Phase everything in because I, I think at this point, um, I mean, Coronaga UK is is same as what the Bastard Son was. It's it's an entirely new band in a way. It's it's still different to what it was before, and it's gonna be nice to go back and revisit those classics that, like, say everybody wants to hear and we want to play. Yeah. So. As you said, kind of like with um, stuff that you've kind of been working on, does that mean you're you've already got a lot of stuff already written that you're looking at putting out at some point in the future, or is it stuff that you're still trying to fine tune and continue to work on? Yeah, it's it's mainly stuff we're trying to fine tune, um, and we'll sort of be working on it through the year, and possibly looking at a release next year. Uh, maybe we maybe might toy with an EP before the end of the year, so we'll see see how it goes. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, we've got the ideas there. We've got some, you know, I've got some lyrics, I've got some tunes and what have you. And I think the rest of the lads have. Uh, it's just a matter of putting it together. Uh, at the moment, we're sort of concentrating on getting the set done. We're still not quite there yet, but we we will be by the time the first gigs come along. So yeah. So what there will be, there will be new material. Um, as I say, we'll just wait and see when we can get it out. I think as well, well for us is that because everything's still so new. I mean, obviously, the time of us recording this, it's only been twenty four hours since we we announced our return, and yeah, everything seems really positive. But we we won't know whether people want to hear the new material yet, and if they do, we we we've got things that we could. We could get recorded professionally rather than just be having demoed in in our homes and things like that, and get it out sooner than that. But as Mark was saying, we we we've kind of chosen to really concentrate on the set and and being the best that we can possibly be, and um, work on our performance so that we know that anybody who's going to come to the show is going to be, what we hope, blown away. He says, fingers crossed. Well, with the new material as well, that kind of Mark sort of um, potentially answered it. And it was obviously with the way that people kind of consume music now and a lot of bands putting EPs out, it did make me wonder if you'd be doing an EP or actually trying to make a new album itself. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I found is that you are only as relevant as your latest release. So if you're if you're putting out something every 
six to eight months, even if it's a four track, five track EP, it keeps you there and you can keep promoting it where um, gone are the days where you would have like bands like Queen or Michael Jackson, whatever, just releasing an album and then releasing a single constantly, constantly, constantly releasing the next single. And that's selling um, because just uh, as we touched on earlier, the way that music is consumed now is entirely different. You're lucky if I would say people listen to more than 10, 20 seconds because of TikTok, YouTube reels, whatever. And you've really got to try and capture people's attention and imaginations in the short time that you've got before they're moving on to the next content. So final question then. You've already announced gigs in June supporting Riot City. There are other gigs throughout the year as well. And also a headline show at Whitehaven in October. So are you looking at packing out the rest of the year or are you trying to kind of break yourselves in gently and then go full on for 25? I'll let Mike answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, Mark's only doing that because he, he knows I'll go out and try and find all as many gigs as I can. Um, we're going to go for a little bit in between. I mean, the, the gigs that we've got so far were all pre-launch. So it was all on the quiet. But now that we're back, I'm anticipating that we may get a few offers or when I kind of approach promoters, venues, at least they'll be able to go, oh yeah, the band's back and they'll be able to see that there's been movement on our social media and what we're doing. And it'll be easier to get those shows. So I am hoping that um, we'll be able to to fill out the dates and I'm not saying we're going to fill out every weekend or be able to kind of get to that stage where we'll be able to go for two to three weeks at a time on a gig, which would be lovely. If that does eventually happen, please come see our shows and buy merch. Um, yeah, if we can, whatever gigs we can do, that isn't going to also keep us away from homes because we've all got home life. You know, we've all got responsibilities, so we have to kind of juggle that and make sure that we keep our loved ones in focus as well as kind of go out there and perform for ourselves and for our fans. Well, Mike, Mark, it's been absolutely amazing to speak to you. Hopefully we'll get to see you at a gig soon. Once we've got some more dates confirmed, hopefully you're near us too. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. Thank you for the uh, podcast and the questions. Um, yeah, it's been good. been really good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Just to say what Mark said, just thank you very much for having us on. Thank you very much for supporting music in general because it's it's people like yourselves that are keeping things alive. So thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay, thank you. Cheers. Thanks now. Bye. Bye. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview. Don't forget to go and check out Torinog UK if they are playing near you. They've got some dates already lined up and there's some more I'm sure will be announced very soon. And as always, you can find us on Twitter or X, Instagram and threads at Ready to Mosh Cast. We're also on Facebook, TikTok and YouTube at Ready to Mosh. Don't forget to give us a five star like, share, follow, whatever platform you're on and maybe write a nice review. And we'll be back soon with another episode. Make it mush move.